welcome to the So Novel Podcast. I'm your host Jess and in this fortnightly podcast I will be chatting all things books as well as interviews with authors, publishers and bookstagrammers. So whether you're looking for your next read or you want to know the story behind the story then this is the podcast for you. In today's episode of Author Chat, I chat to the amazing Ashley Audrain, who is the author of our book club pick, The Push. Ashley is a publicist turned writer from Canada, and The Push is her debut novel. In today's episode, we chat about the inspiration behind The Push and a few of the themes she explores, including the nature versus nurture debate and the pressures of motherhood in the 21st century. Here is Ashley. Hi, Ashley, and welcome to the So Novel Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so glad we finally made it here. Hi, Jessica. Thank you so much for having me to the So Novel Podcast. I really appreciate it. And I'm so happy that you've chosen the push for your March um, book club read. Thank you so much. Now, my first question for all of these author chats is what are you currently reading? What am I currently reading? Well, I'm just about to dive into two books, two proofs that I've been sent um, from publishers, um, which is definitely the perk of being an author now, is getting all these books early. Um, One of them is coming out soon, I believe next month. It is called The End of Men by Christina Sweeney Baird. And I'm just about to um, to dip into this, um, but I love the premise. The premise is, um, I think it's set in 2025, and it is about a virus, <laughs> which will feel a little too familiar right now. Um, but this virus and this pandemic only affects men. So men are the only ones who can be infected. And it is the women in society who are left, um, you know, to keep things working and to find the vaccinations and to keep the economy going. And um, so what a what a great concept. And I've been chatting with this author online a bit. um, And she's so lovely. uh, And it was really nice of her to read the push. Um, So now we've swapped books and I'm going to read hers and I'm looking forward to it. And the other book that I'm just about to read, I've, I've just in between books right now, is called The Ophelia Girls. And it is by Jane Healy, who's the author of a book called The Animals at Lockwood Manor. Um, we share an agent, um, or an agency, I should say. Um, and I know they were so excited about this book, and it just it sounded fantastic. It also has a gorgeous cover, which of course you can't see right now, but it's worth looking up. Um, and it's about, it kind of goes back and forth between two timelines. So one is set in summer of 1973 and the other timeline is summer in 1997. And, um, in the 70s summer, um, it's about a girl named Ruth and her friends, um, who are near the river when something terrible happens to, um, one of the girls they are with. And then it is later in life, of course, um, in 1997 when, you know, Ruth returns, um, to that same place with her family, um, and her own children and um, her daughter is now around that age and so it's sort of you know goes back and forth kind of tying um, what happened then to the present day and I've heard such great things about it so I'm looking forward to starting it yeah wow they both sound super interesting I will have to check them out um I haven't heard of them so I'm not sure if they come out 
next month here in Australia. But yes, I'm definitely going to check those out. Now, we are going to chat about your debut novel today, The Push, which was our So Novel Book Club read for March. So can you tell us a bit about the book? Thank you so much for choosing um, The Push for your book club for March. That's really exciting. And um, I'm happy to tell you a bit about the book. Sure. So it's a story of a woman named Blythe who comes from a history of women who have struggled greatly with motherhood. So her own mother and grandmother in particular. And she's determined that she's going to be different, you know, that she's going to break the cycle and be this very, you know, warm, present, engaged mother that she wishes she always had. And so she and her husband have a baby named Violet, but it's not long until she starts to believe there is something wrong with Violet. She's a very different little girl. She's sort of aloof and um, quite angry, and she soon begins acting maliciously towards other children at preschool. And the problem, of course, is that her husband, you know, cannot see what she sees in Violet. He thinks that, um, you know, Blythe's feelings are very much a result of the maternal anxiety that she's carried for so long. And so they try to move on as a family and have another baby named Sam. And uh, she finds that connection she's looking for um, until tragedy you know, strikes the family. And they're really forced to take a look at you know, who Blythe is, you know, who their daughter is, um, you know, what has happened, <laughs> and the family unravels from there. It has been the only book that I have heard people talking about this year. Um, it has just gone gangbusters on Bookstagram. I was lucky enough that I received an advanced copy of it. So I actually read it in December last year, I think. And I was like, oh my God, I can't wait for this book to come out because I just need to chat about it. So one thing I wanted to chat about with you about was um, the theme of motherhood. What made you want to explore motherhood and the mother-daughter relationships? Yeah, you know, what made me want to explore motherhood in fiction? Well, you know, I think I had always been um, quite obsessed, you know, and fascinated by the idea of motherhood, you know, long before I was a mum myself or even thinking about motherhood. Um, you know, and the obsession wasn't so much, you know, that I wanted to be a mum because I think for most of my life, you know, most of my 20s, certainly I didn't think I would ever have children or didn't want them necessarily. <laughs> but, um, but the obsession or fascination, I think, was more about why women do it, you know, why women make that decision, how it changes them, um, how it changes their life. And, you know, I have, I'm lucky to have a very, you know, wonderful mother, but I was very aware, I think, growing up that that was not every woman's experience, you know, and I really wondered a lot about, you know, what it would be like if you regretted having children, you know, or if the children you had, you didn't like or couldn't find that love for, you know, that you had hoped to. Um, it always seemed to me like a very sort of um, perilous thing, you know, to become a mother um, and to have children. And so um, I, it doesn't surprise me, I think, looking back that, that motherhood was sort of something I wanted to explore in a novel or in fiction. Um, and then when I became a mother myself, you know, I think on top of that, I, I really realized, um, you know, just how different, you know, those expectations are um, that society, you know, puts on women, basically, you know, society sort of teaches us that 
you know, motherhood should feel a certain way and look a certain way and we should talk about it in a certain manner. And yet for so many women, you know, it is so different. And so for that first year, especially I think of, you know, when I had my son, I, I there was so much of that on my mind. Um, and I just, I wanted to write. I felt a very creative urge at that time to be exploring, you know, all of these questions, um, you know, through a character and through um, the journey of this character, Blythe. Um, and it all kind of came to me quite quickly. Um, once I started writing. Now, you were just talking about that decision to enter motherhood um, and what it's like for women. And another major theme in the book is this nature versus nurture debate. So why is it that we do what we do? Is it because of our human biology and DNA or is it because of our environment and how we are raised by our caregivers? So can you tell us about how you explored this theme through the mother-child relationship in the novel? Yeah, you know, nature versus nurture is is certainly a big theme in this book. Um, you know, that question of how much of ourselves is just sort of set in stone, you know, when we are born is just a part of our DNA and who we are, um, and how much of us is a result of the way we are treated, you know, and the experiences that we have and um, you know, and how we grow up, you know, and what we are taught. Um, and I, I think, you know, I don't know that any of us really know the answer to that question. You know, even when we consider ourselves, it is a very hard thing to pinpoint. Um, but it's a question that's always fascinated me. And I think um, it's part of what makes me so interested in just the idea of the choice to have children. Like, I think when we enter parenthood, you know, we make that decision, I think, we sort of fool ourselves into thinking we're going to have a lot of control, you know, over who that person is. Um, it makes us so much more comfortable to believe that, um, you know, we are going to be able to shape this person entirely and that they will be the person we want them to be to a large extent, you know, understanding that, um, you know, everybody is unique and, and an individual. But, um, but I think that control gives us a sense of comfort as parents. And yet it's not always the case um, at all. And I, you know, there are obviously, you know, parents who look at their children and almost cannot recognize them, you know, cannot believe that they are their children, you know, for various reasons that they just feel so different to them or they, they don't like them or they don't like the person they have become or they can't understand at all, you know, the decisions that they have made. Um, and, you know, we all hope that we will never get to that place, um, but we don't actually know. And that is certainly the experience that Blythe goes through in this book with her daughter, Violet, um, and that some of the mother, you know, the other generations of mothers and daughters in this book have experienced as well. Um, and so I think that's sort of, that's the, at the crux of what I wanted to explore um, by asking, you know, some of those questions. Um, yeah, it was, it was interesting. In the book, Blythe struggles with living up to the ideals of motherhood. How do you think societal pressures contribute to feelings of inadequacy and postpartum mental health struggles for mothers? Yeah, I think, you know, Blythe certainly does struggle with living up to those ideals of motherhood, you know, how she sees other women experiencing motherhood around her, um, you know, how her mother-in-law, you know, has experienced motherhood and, you know, how she tells her to sort of, um, you know, just sort of grin and bear it. You know, we've all been there. That's kind of the message to her, um, you know, and she shares some vulnerabilities with her. Um, 
I think, yeah, I think, you know, society has always put pressure on women to be a certain way, um, you know, through the generations. I think what that pressure has been has changed a little bit over the years, but um, but the pressure itself has not gone away. You know, the how strong the pressure is, I don't think, has got has gone away. And in a way, I think it's maybe only gotten stronger. You know, I think there is this, um, I think a lot of women now, a lot of mothers now really struggle with that feeling of inadequacy, um, you know, in the years after they become mothers and, you know, well beyond too, but this book looks, you know, more specifically at the years of having children who are younger. And, you know, it's interesting, you know, I'm 38 and I have kids who are um, three and almost six. And, you know, at at the age that I am, you know, and with the friends that I have at their age um, right now, you know, we're sort of the first group or first generation of women to become mothers um, in the age of social media, you know, with social media being such a prevalent part of our lives. And it's really a double-edged sword, I think, for mothers now um, in terms of the kinds of pressure that we feel um, and what the experience of motherhood is like. Because um, I think in a very positive way, you know, social media can offer mothers now this connection um, that we didn't necessarily have before. Like we can find other communities of like-minded mothers and like-minded parenting. And we have all of these resources now at our fingertips, you know, and other people and parenting experts and mom bloggers and all of that. And I think that, I think in a way that is a very good thing. You know, I think that that can help to um, take away a lot of the loneliness. I think that a lot of women feel, but the other side, of that is that you know we are very much encouraged to kind of share more about our lives than we've ever shared before as mothers you know there's um you know I don't say that as a criticism I I I am a part of that and was a part of that certainly you know when I had babies and that um you know you want to share pictures of them and your family and your beautiful nursery and what life looks like and you know I think there is there's a sense, you know, there is some honesty in that, um, but but you also are so conscious of the kind of mother you are projecting and um, you know, the kind of family that you want to show you have and how you feel about motherhood. Um, and I think when you're sharing that much, you start to feel vulnerable and you feel like you open yourself up to more judgment and um, that, yeah, I think that can be a hard place to be. Um, for sure. And I, and I think what comes of that is just this constant comparison, you know, of yourself against other women and yourself against other mothers and your kids against other kids. Um, and I don't know that we had that so prevalent in our lives before social media. We didn't have such access to that before. Um, so yeah, I think it's, I I think those feelings of inadequacy now are just, um, so much easier to have in a way. (laughs) Um, when everything feels so comparative and on display, um, it's a hard thing. But like I said, I, you know, I do think it does have that sort of both sides to it, that double-edged sword. Um, yeah. Yes, absolutely. Now, there is a particular paragraph in the book that really stood out for me. It was just so real and raw and it it had me in tears because you summed up all of my feelings towards my first birthing experience perfectly. Now, I've already read this section of the book out before on the podcast um, in an individual chat, but because I love it so much, I'm going to read it again. And for those who haven't heard it, um, so I think this is from page 46 um, in the Penguin Australia uh, version, if you want to have a look at it. 
Nobody talked about the feeling of being woken up after 40 minutes of sleep on bloodstained sheets with the dread of knowing what had to happen next. I felt like the only mother in the world who wouldn't survive it. The only mother who couldn't recover from having her perineum stitched from her anus to her vagina. The only mother who couldn't pretend to function with her brain in the vice of sleeplessness. The only mother who looked down at her daughter and thought, please go away. Violet only cried when she was with me. It felt like a betrayal. We were supposed to want each other. Oh my God. So, so incredibly powerful. I feel like I'm just being stabbed in the heart again when I read that. Because like I said, you've just summed up all of those, all of my thoughts of those first few weeks of first time mothering. Tell us about this paragraph and is this based on your experience of um, first time motherhood and, and birth? Oh, thank you. Ugh, yes, when I when I hear this paragraph now, um, it takes me right back <laughs> for sure to what that was like. Um, yeah, you know, I think, was it based on my experience? Well, um, partly, I think, yeah. I mean, I don't think I could have written this um, if I hadn't gone through motherhood myself and probably if I wasn't writing it, you know, at that time in my life with, with such little babies. But um, yeah, I think it's that, that, Especially, I think that feeling that, you know, you are the only one who feels like you won't survive it. And, you know, you are the only one who feels like it as hard as it is or who has the pain that you do. I mean, I especially remember that physical recovery, you know, from having a vaginal birth and thinking it was so much worse, you know, than what anyone had told me. Um, you know, I remember thinking someone has not either somebody has not been honest with me or I am really experiencing this so much worse than every other person has, you know, which, um, you know, of course it is the former and not the latter, but it doesn't feel that way, you know, when you're in the middle of it. And I think also that, that I, I struggled a lot with sleep and, um, just feeling absolutely exhausted and what that can do to you. You know, it, it really strips away, you know, every, sense you had of who you were <laughs> before, you know, and you feel like you will never get that back. I remember thinking that almost like grieving the feeling of being rested, like really, truly believing that I would never feel rested again, you know, that I would never sleep again. And, and even though, you know, rationally, you know, that's not true. You cannot wrap your head around that. You know, you cannot, um, you can't find what that will feel like ever again for yourself. And it is, it is very hard, you know, to accept that. Um, and I think especially if, you know, if, you know, I, I, didn't have one of those magical babies who, you know, sleeps through the night at such a young age. I mean, we, we had to go through all of it, you know, all of the sleep training and how hard it was. And, um, and yeah, that, that really, I found difficult. And I remember, um, you know, people saying, Oh, can, you know, can I come visit or do you want to get together, you know, with like friends or family? And I remember what I wanted to to say to them was, I would love for you to just come over and take my baby so I can sleep <laughs> because I'm not actually interested in a conversation at all. You know, I cannot, I, I actually cannot carry on a conversation with you because I am that tired. Um, so no, I, I don't want you to come over unless you can <laughs> babysit. Um, but of course we don't feel like we can say that, you know, we really don't. We say, sure, come on over and we put out food and, you know, we make, tea and you know we go through the motions of it all being exhausted um so I do remember that I think you know a big difference between you know my experience and Violet's is that you know I was lucky in that I I, I did feel that connection with both of my children right away you know that that bond 
um, that I had hoped to have, you know, I did. But I remember, you know, being in those days and those hard early days and thinking, you know, having such empathy for women who didn't, you know, I remember thinking, oh my gosh, this is so hard, you know, and I, I, I am having this connection and I love them and I feel that for them. And how impossible would it be if you didn't have that, you know, to hold on to? So I, I just remember just, yeah, just really feeling for women, you know, who weren't finding that because it is so unbelievably common, you know, so much more common than I, than we ever share. Um, and even now, you know, I have friends or acquaintances now who have said to me, oh, I couldn't find that. I, you know, I couldn't find that bond or that love or that connection. And yet, you know, I had gone through motherhood at the same time as them. You know, we had our babies around the same time and I didn't know that, you know, it wasn't something that they ever shared with me then. Um, and, you know, I, I respect that and I understand it, um, you know, but I look back and I think, wow, you know, we never really know what people are going through. And, and it is it is so much easier, I think, to admit these things or to talk about these things in hindsight you know, once you're a year or two or three or more out of it um, than it is to talk about them at the time, you know, when you feel like you're right in the middle of that hurricane. Oh my God, yes. <laughs> Especially when you're talking about the sleep training. Um, I remember with my my second child going into it, I was like, you know what, I've got this. I have done it once before and I've survived. We all survived. You know, there's no reason why I can't do it again. And then you get given this second child who is the complete opposite of the first child. Even though you thought you couldn't get a child who slept any worse than the first, you can and I can show you the proof with my daughter because <laughs> she she definitely proved me wrong in that sense. Now, to wrap up, what can we expect next from Ashley or Jane? What's next? Yeah, well, I'm working on my second book right now. Um, a few people have asked me if it's you know a sequel to The Push. It is not a sequel. It's a, it's a totally different uh, story with different characters. Um, it's, it's it's the story of I think four families you know who are neighbors on a street. Um, and they don't quite understand the ways in which they are all connected until there is um, something tragic that happens on the street involving one of the families. Um, and it sort of cracks each household open and they, they start to understand the ways in which they are in fact connected um, and sort of the secrets that have been kept between them. And uh, it very much explores some of the same themes that are in the push. So, you know, motherhood and marriage um, and also female friendship as well. And yeah, I've really enjoyed writing it. It's been a lot of fun to write, I think, this one. And, you know, I've worked on a lot of it through the pandemic, you know, through these lockdown months and months of, you know, on and off lockdown and life looking very differently. And so it was really nice to have this, um, you know, to focus on, even though they were most mostly during, you know, very, very early mornings before my kids woke up <laughs> and the rest of the day kind of went sideways. But um, yeah, so I'm enjoying enjoying working on those revisions now. Yay! I cannot wait for that one. I'm going to go and put my name down for that one now. <laughs> well, Ashley, thank you so much for joining me today. And thank you for coming on and chatting to us about your book. I know um, I had a few discussions with a few of the readers and they loved it just as much as what I did. So thank you so much for coming on. Now, I also put a call out to all of the listeners out there who joined in 
with the book club and asked you to send in a recording of your thoughts. And I just want to give a huge shout out to Mel from The Reading Affair who sent us in a short audio clip and she gives us her thoughts on the book and she will take us out to end the episode. Hi, this is Melissa from The Reading Affair and reading the push this month for the Sir Novel Podcast book club was extremely confronting, but a highly engaging read. I felt so much empathy for the women and their experiences. What really frustrated me as I was reading this was the way the male characters took no responsibility and they pretty much ignored and gaslighted their partners um, through all of their relationship. Even the ending part of the novel when um, the husband comes back and explains the story about the wardrobe being chopped up by the daughter and he says, she wasn't always easy but she deserved more from you. That part just really frustrated me and I felt like screaming and yelling at this man for all the fault that he had in this scenario that he didn't even bother to apologise or take responsibility for. Even though the ending was really abrupt, um, I found it quite powerful. And I think overall the book really drew attention to the patriarchal systems that still continue to oppress women today. As the story spans over those generations, I think you can see that the circumstances that women find themselves in, whether they choose motherhood or are forced into motherhood, um, still suffocate and silence them. Thanks, Jess, for this awesome book during February. If you enjoyed this episode, please let me know. You can subscribe and leave me a review or rating on Apple Podcasts or find me on Instagram at So Novel Podcast. Thanks for listening and until next time, happy reading!